0: Romans, the 6th chapter, our, our main focus today will be on verses 9 and 10, but I want us to read beginning in verse 1 down through verse 10 in our opening this morning. Romans 6, 1 through 10, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not! Not! Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. And even now, I just pray for an outpouring of Your Holy Spirit. Stir within us. Give us understanding. Lord, You know where each one is this morning. And Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of Your Word, I know, I know You can and will speak this morning. So Father, I pray that You would, Help me. I pray that You would give me voice, that You would uh, give me understanding, that You would uh, guard my tongue from error and just speak, I pray. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Verses 9 and 10. I I liked how it began. Knowing Child of God, this is something that you should already know. That you should know. And, and I don't know if you noticed in the reading, uh, that one of the reasons I wanted to read the ten verses to get down to it, Paul had said something to that effect two other times. In verse 3, do you not know? Don't you know this? In, in verse 6, he, he, he said, knowing this. And now... There in verse 9, knowing, ESV says, we know. What do we know? Well, well, this we know, uh, the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we know this for certain. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. Christ, having been raised from the dead, uh, I, here I'll ask, we, we all know this answer. How was He raised from the dead? Or by whom was He raised from the dead? We, we got the answer in verse 4. Put, put the verse 4 back up. Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, how? By the glory of the Father. So Christ was raised from the dead, by the Father's glorious power. And I liked, uh, as I was reading, uh, Martin Lloyd Jones, and he said this, quote, The very fact that God raised Jesus from the dead is proof, proof positive that God has fully, was fully satisfied with the work which His Son had done upon the cross. The resurrection is God's announcement and proclamation to the whole universe that Christ has completed the work which he sent him into the world to do, end quote. And Paul had, had talked about the resurrection of Christ uh, to some degree all the way back in Romans chapter 4. Let's go back and pick up a couple verses, verses 22 through 25. Romans 4, 22 through 25. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Let me pause. The hymn that this is talking about here, right here is, is Abraham. And this is talking of how Abraham's belief and faith were accounted, were reckoned, were credited to Abraham, imputed to him for righteousness. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness, now, it was not written for his sake alone that it should be imputed to him, but also for us. Let me pause again. For us? Well, what? <laughs> Let us remember the Old Testament is filled with what? Types and shadows of that which is to come. And just as by believing and faith, Abraham's belief and faith was imputed and accounted for righteousness. So for us, through saving faith, through believing, we will be imputed with the righteousness of Christ. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, that it was imputed to him, but also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. And who did that? The glorious power of the Father. Verse 25, who was delivered up for our offenses, delivered up upon a cross, lifted up on the cross for our offenses, for our sin, and was raised for our glory, for our justification. The power of the resurrection. And I believe that the resurrection is is God's proof, provided for our benefit that we might know that Christ Atonement has been accepted. See, we can look to the cross and know that atonement has been made for my sins. And and, and we can look to the empty tomb and the risen Savior and know that the atonement has been accepted by God the Father. Because where is Christ now? At the right hand, seated at the right hand of the Father. Seated, what's that mean? Mission accomplished. Finished. From the cross that is finished, He goes back to glory, seated at the Father's right hand. Work accomplished. Finished. And we, in Christ, have that living hope that because He rose, we too shall rise to be with Him. Uh, That Romans 6, verse 9, do I have just verse 9 by itself? Knowing... That Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Why? There's no need. There's no need for Him to die anymore. He has done that once and forever. The resurrection proves that. It proves that it has finished. He has finished the work that God the Father has sent Him to do. And then it says what? Death no longer has dominion over Him. Death no longer has dominion over Him. So what's that implying? That death at one time did have dominion over Him. Now how does that set with you? Was there a time when death had dominion over Jesus Christ? Yes. 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 Jesus died. He had to die. That's why He came to this earth. That he himself created to die. And then the question may come, well, but he was he's God. How, how can that be? How can it be that death at one time had dominion over Jesus? Let, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56, for just a moment. We're going to lead in to the why. The sting of death is you say it. Say it loud. Sin. The sting of death is sin, and the strength or the power of sin is what? The law. The sting of death is sin, and the strength, or ESV says power, the strength or power of sin is the law. Sin is the agent that produces death. In Adam, so let's remember everything that we've been learning so far in Romans. In Adam, all die. Why? Because of the offense of Adam. Because of sin. Through Adam's offense, sin and death reign. Uh, this, this is Romans 5 was all about this. Judgment from one man's offense resulted in condemnation for all. Here, answer this. Say it loud. The wages of sin is death. Is death. In Adam, all die. The sting of death is sin. Now, we look to the cross of Jesus Christ. We see Him dying. We see that He has come under the power of death and its sting. But how can this be? He was without sin. He lived a life in perfect obedience to God the Father. He had never sinned at all. How can it be? Dusty in his prayer told us how it could be because Christ took upon himself our sin. He humbled himself even to death upon the cross. Let's go to Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but Made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus took our sins upon himself. And, and do you see, by identifying himself with us and taking upon himself Our sin, He put Himself under the penalty of the law. The sting of death is sin, and the strength or power of sin is the law. Sin is a breaking of the law, and the law pronounces death as the punishment for sin. Do do we get that? Jesus took our sin, By His death upon the cross, Jesus paid in full the sin debt for everyone who believes His gospel. Our sin imputed to Him for all who believe. His righteousness imputed to us the great exchange. In Second Corinthians 5 verse 21, this, this verse tells it so well all in one verse. For He. Who's this He? God. Made Him. Who's the Him? Jesus. For He made Him who knew no sin. To be what? Sin. For us. Why? Why would He do such a thing? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Here is Jesus Christ, the sinless one. He puts himself under the law and the dominion of sin and death. He takes our sin upon himself, and for that reason and that reason alone, he dies. In that moment of time, death had power over him. But let me ask. Did it retain that power? No, no, no. Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, and he, he himself likewise shared in the same. Now what's this talking about? Partaken of flesh and blood. That's this body that we're walking around in. And Jesus humbled himself, came from glory, born of a woman, born in a manger, to take on flesh. That's what this is talking about. Have partaken of flesh and blood. And Jesus likewise shared in the same. He took on flesh and blood. Do you see? Why? That through death, I get this. This is why he came, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Through Christ we have been set free from the power and dominion of sin and death. We're no longer in bondage. We no longer, for those who are born again, we no longer live in that realm of sin and death. But we live in the realm of righteousness and eternal life. That's who we are now, knowing who we are. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 58. And just, if you read the whole chapter, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but there's a verse prior up in there. That, that talks about that says that the last enemy to be destroyed is. Do you know what the answer is? Death. The last enemy. It's in verse 26. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now, let, let's read 1 Corinthians 15:51 through 58. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and they shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Father, of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. See, there's victory through Christ because He overcame death and the grave. And we too, those who are in Christ, we have no need to fear death this physical death, because we have already in Christ been raised to newness of life. And we know this. Jesus said this in John 14, verse 19. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. Isn't that a wonderful promise from the Lord? Because He lives, we gotta sing a little bit of it. I don't know if I can, but we all sing loud. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Be Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. See, Gaither wrote that inspired by those verses that we have already read. There is no need for the child of God to fear death. He has taken away the sting of death. (laughs) Jesus died a ransom for sin to pay our debt of sin. Romans 6, put verses 9 and 10 up once again. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Death no longer has dominion over him. I want to read Lloyd-Jones again. As I was reading, out of everybody that I was reading and Lloyd Jones just put it so well. And, and someday I'm going to get the actual audio so you can hear him say some of these. If you've never got to hear him speak, uh, this is Lloyd Jones quote. The Lord Jesus Christ was once under the power of death, under the dominion of death, but that is no more the case. That has gone. That is finished. With once and forever, his rising from the dead is a proclamation that death is conquered and vanquished by him, and that he will never die again. He came here to deal with the problem of sin. He has done it. He is back in glory. He is no longer related to the whole realm of sin and of death in that way, end quote, (laughs) where he would die again. In Romans 5, let's read verses 19 through 21. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see how Paul is continuing on here in chapter 6. Go back, keep looking at everything we've already learned. And he's building, he's building, he's building on top of everything that he's teaching. Now, verse 10 in Romans 6. For the death that he died... He died to sin once for all. He died to sin once for all. Once forever. Never to be repeated. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for sins. The just, that is Christ. For the unjust, that's me and you. Why? That He might bring us to God. That, that's why it came. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Hebrews 7 talks of Jesus, our high priest. So, Hebrews 7, let, let's read verses 26 and 27. <clears throat> Hebrews 7, 26 and 27. For such a high priest was fitting for us. And this is talking of Christ here. For such a high priest, such a high priest as Jesus Christ, was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests, to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. See, You see the contrast when you read through Hebrews and we we, we go to Hebrews quite often on Communion Sunday. There's the contrast between the earthly priest and Jesus Christ our great high priest. There's This contrast. Let's look at Hebrews 9, verse 11 and 12. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood He entered the most holy place, once for all, having obtained... Eternal redemption. And I know I've shared this quite often, but, but do, you, do you see what it says? With his own blood. He, he didn't take an animal sacrifice of blood and take it in and pour it on the mercy seat. He, he went into the most holy place, and it says, If Christ himself got upon the mercy seat and shed his own blood, not with the blood of of bulls, of goats and calves, but with His own blood He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Let's drop down to verses 24 through 28 in Hebrews 9. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the ages he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once but after this the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sin of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. (laughs) There's a lot in there. (laughs) Is he coming again? Yes, he is. He came the first time for sin. He's not coming for sin the second time. He's coming for His own to take us home, to set all things right. (laughs) Let's read one, one more passage from Hebrews. Let's go to chapter 10, verses 4 through 14. Hebrews 10, verses 4 through 14. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came, when the Lord came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins. You had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burn offerings and offering for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure with them, which are offered according to the law. Let me pause there. Then why? If, if God took no pleasure, that, why did he command it? And again, let me bring it back to this, because it was a type and a shadow of that which was to come of the sacrifice of Christ, of, of the great Lamb of God that would come to give Himself, you see. Because it was a type and a shadow awaiting the time in God's timing of redemption when Christ should come. I mean, I'm at Verse 9, Then He said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that He may establish the second. Let me pause. Takes away the first what? Covenant, takes away the first covenant to establish a new covenant. Jesus Christ will say, and we're going to read it in a little bit, a new covenant in my blood, in my blood. Takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will, what will? By the will of God, he just talked about it. He just said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Praise God. His holy name, child of God, being perfected forever and ever and ever for all of eternity. Christ has done it by one offering. I want to read one more uh, Lloyd-Jones quote. Talking of it is finished, it is complete. Quote, when Jesus died to sin, he did it once and forever. And the work is so complete that there is never any need for him to come back to do it again. You see, that's not why he's coming back the next time, is it? The priests under the Old Testament had to give on had to keep on doing the same thing day after day, and the high priest year after year, not so here, because he is the Son of God. Because He is who and what He is. And because of the way in which He accomplished His work, He, by one act, has done it once and forever. It needs no repetition, and there will be no repetition. So I know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. End quote. I, let me ask the question this way today. Do you believe that Jesus died to sin once for all? Do you believe that Jesus' death paid the penalty of sin for all who believe the gospel message of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that? Romans 4, verses 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. See, this is back in chapter 4. You see how Paul is building and building and building blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered covered how <laughs> by the blood of Jesus our sins which were as scarlet have been washed white as snow <laughs> have your sins been covered by the blood of Jesus Can you say, as the Apostle Paul, three different times in the reading we did in those ten verses, do you know, do you know, without a shadow of a doubt, do you know that your sins have been forgiven, that you've been washed clean by the blood of Christ? Because if not, you are still under the dominion and power of sin. Because I've been saying over and over again because the Word of God says it over and over again. Paul has been saying it over and over again. You're either yet in the realm of Adam and sin and death or you're in the realm of Jesus Christ, eternal life and righteousness. One of the two. There is no other choice. So where are you today? John 3.16, you know it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why? Why would he do such a thing as that? That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's why he came. That's why he came. Let's read again for Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. Man, this is what Paul, <laughs> we're, we're still a few chapters away before we get here, but this is what he's building to. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. Let me pause there. Is it important that we believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ? (laughs) Yes, it is. It's foundational. It's foundational. We must believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So my prayer is that we all either have called upon his name, faith-believing, or forgiveness of sins, or that by a miracle of mercy that God the Father will open eyes to see the need of a Savior. Because it's not by my persuasive words. Nothing that I would say other than keep repeating what this says over and over and over again. Point the way to the cross, point the way to Jesus Christ, and then the work is His. By the power of His Spirit, by the truth of His Word, that perhaps He would save some. (laughs) And that's always my prayer. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. John 5, verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. John 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son, in Jesus Christ, has everlasting life. And, and, and get this. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abides on him. Do you see? Do you understand why I ask that question so often, so often, and I'll keep doing it till the day I die? Do you believe? you see how important it is? Because if not, the wrath of God abides on you now, even now, and will come to full realization after you die and you stand in judgment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I I give thanks for Your Word and I, I give thanks for the gift that You gave this world. You gave Your only begotten Son. Thank You, Father, for providing a way for our redemption. For providing the payment to cover the cost of our sin. Thank You for sending Christ. And Father, I pray that just by a miracle of mercy that only You can bring about, that only by Your Spirit that You can move and stir and open eyes and shine light into darkness. It is by You and Your great power. But Lord, we pray for a miracle. Someone might be awakened from their death, resurrected from their death, as you would call to them, just as, as Christ called Lazarus out of the grave, that, that you would call with, with a, with a, a a holy, fervent call, that they would come to life, and in seeing you for who you are, in your holiness, and seeing themselves as a wretched sinner of that then all the truth, all the truth that they have heard of, of the gospel of Christ would come alive within them, and that they would fall before you, God, repenting of their sins, crying out to you, confessing that Jesus is Lord, believing. Father, grant them repentance, grant them faith that they may believe and that they could turn from their sin and follow Christ the rest of their days. And Father, for those of us who are born again, that we know and we know what we know to be true from Your Word of what Christ has done and of who we are in Christ. Father, help us that we may shine the light of Christ that we may be a light to others that we would not hide any of that uh, under a under a basket but we would let our light shine the father that you might use us as perhaps a means a way of spreading the gospel of Christ so father help us to be bold help us to not be ashamed but live our life and present Christ every day. Everything that we would say and do, may it be to your honor and to your glory. So help us, Father, to do that, to live for you. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.